Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on November 18th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. And yes, November 18th, we're talking about Thursday, and I am in studio. Now, this episode features information about a new lawsuit against the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. This comes as OSHA says it will hold off on enforcing its large employer mandate due to a recent court stay. We hear from South Carolina House members on the censure of Representative Paul Gosar, and we look at the big pickup for Republicans in Columbia. We hear from former Florence Mayor Stephen J. Wakila about his time working with the late Senator Hugh Leatherman. And we get an update on the economy from Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond regional economist Laura Ulrich. Also, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voice mailbox set up to hear from you at 803-563-7169. It's the holiday season, folks. We're going to be changing up our schedule, but we want to hear from you. We want to play your voicemails, hear about what you're doing this Thanksgiving, favorite dishes, least favorite dishes, awkward family moments, traditions, football, who's yelling at who, everything. Just call in and just keep the line open for three minutes so we can hear what's going on. 803-563-7169. And I want to give a special shout out to Laura Murchison. She's an ETV endowment donor that I got to meet on Thursday during a luncheon and also a longtime listener. Thank you for listening, Laura, and your support. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is substantial, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 14,078 total deaths, and currently there are 910,690 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of November 18th at 4 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 5.1%. 447 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, 130 are in intensive care, and 67 are on ventilators. So far, 49.5% of all eligible South Carolinians, that's ages 5 and up, are completely vaccinated. Right now, 4.5% of children aged 5 to 11 have had one dose. On Monday, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson filed a lawsuit in federal court to block the mandate requiring health care workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19, according to his office. Wilson said it in a statement, The Biden administration has struck once again, attempting to coerce our health care workers into being vaccinated. The federal government seeks to bully the sovereign state of South Carolina into submission with the promise of federal funds. Joining Attorney General Wilson were the states of Louisiana, Montana, Arizona, Alabama, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Utah, and West Virginia. Now say them all back to me because it's a pop quiz. The lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court Western Division of Louisiana Monroe Division. The lawsuit points out the numerous legal problems with the mandate and asks the court to hold that the vaccine mandate is unlawful and vacate it while preliminarily and permanently blocking the Biden administration from implementing it. Just a little note here, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, also known as OSHA, announced it is suspending enforcement of the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for large private businesses after the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld a stay last week. Next up, on Tuesday, some 20,000 voters turned out for the Columbia mayoral runoff election, 
and 52% of them elected City Councilman Daniel Rickman as the city's next mayor. Rickman, a Republican, defeated fellow Councilmember Tamika Isaac Devine to lead the state's second-largest city, after incumbent Mayor Steve Benjamin decided not to run for a fourth term. Republicans saw Rickman's victory as a major accomplishment since the city has been led by Democrats for at least the past 30 years, with Benjamin and Bob Coble before him. And Oddity Bustles, a 31-year-old public health researcher, won the runoff against Tyler Bailey to fill Devine's vacant at-large seat. And yes, for those keeping track, more people voted in the runoff than in the actual election itself. Very strange. Regardless, turnout overall was right around 18%. (laughs) A lot of room for improvement right there, Columbia. And 82% of you can't complain about the mayor or oddity bustles because you didn't vote. Next up, the U.S. House of Representatives on Wednesday voted closely along party lines to censure Arizona Republican Paul Gosar for sharing a disturbing anime video in which he murdered his colleague, Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and attacked President Joe Biden. The graphic video his office tweeted out is part of a disturbing trend of the normalization of hate speech and violence, not even a year after supporters of former President Donald Trump stormed the Capitol building, threatening the lives of congressmen and women, as well as the vice president and the foundations of our democracy. Several lawmakers took to the House floor Wednesday to give speeches for and against the rare censure, which hasn't happened since 2010. Here's House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn. Madam Speaker, I rise in strong support of this censure resolution. Today's actions is necessary due to Representative Gozar's shocking depiction of a murder of a colleague and a violent attack against the President of the United States. This incendiary behavior cannot go unaddressed. The minority leader's failure to hold his conference member accountable leaves us no choice but to proceed with this action. I often refer to the hall of this house as America's classroom. As members of this august body, we should conduct ourselves in a way that we must want our students to emulate. Mr. Gozar's behavior fails our students, fails our colleagues, and fails our nation and ideals we espouse. I urge unanimous support uh, for this resolution and you back the balance of my time. 7th Congressional District Republican Tom Rice, who was in the political fight of his life since he became one of 10 Republicans to vote to impeach President Donald Trump following January 6, defended Gosar and voted against the censure, as did the other five Republicans in the South Carolina delegation. Rice was the only South Carolina Republican to speak on the floor. Here he is. With so many real problems facing Americans created by the Biden administration, open borders, soaring gas prices, sky-high grocery bills, and our embarrassment in Afghanistan, my friends across the aisle assemble us here today to debate a cartoon. Political cartoons routinely depict violence. It's not new. Cartoons have depicted violence since there were cartoons. If you don't believe me, Google political cartoons 2021. You'll see a depiction of Joe Biden killing a Republican with a steamroller, a Republican elephant trampling voters, among many others. 
Now I'll ask all of you out there to watch the Gozar cartoon that is occupying the floor of the United States Congress for over an hour today. Is it inappropriate? Yes. Childish? Of course. Stupid? Without question. But is it a threat? Absolutely not. Now I know some members may need to seek therapy because they saw this cartoon. But is it a threat? Absolutely not. I yield back. While there may be graphic political cartoons out there, they're not sent out by congressmen on their official Twitter accounts. Also, Rice has drawn more than a dozen Republican challengers since his vote to impeach the president. Only two Republicans voted for the censure. That's Republican Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Representative Adam Kinzinger of Illinois. But Representative Ocasio-Cortez said on the floor, What is so hard about saying that this is wrong? This is not about me. This is not about Representative Gosar. But this is about what we are willing to accept. Only Gosar and 20 other members of Congress have ever been censured. He joins Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene in having no committee assignments now. Moving on, we continue our look at the long-serving Florence Republican Senator Hugh Leatherman, who will be laid to rest in Florence on Friday. I recapped part of his accomplishments in our previous podcast, and on This Week in South Carolina, I caught up with former Florence Mayor Stephen J. Wakila to get some insight on the powerful state senator and how they work together. I covered both of them during my time reporting at the Florence Morning News from 2011 through 2015 and led off by asking the former mayor about the four-decade-long impact Leatherman had. Well, you know, what is, is lost by a lot of folks when they when they talk about uh, our relationship, he and I, is they, they forget that I ran against him mm-hmm. uh, for Senate in 2004. And, um, you know, it, 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 I, it was a hotly fought race. I think it was a very gentlemanly race. Uh, he beat me horribly. <laughs> and then uh, when I won the mayor's seat in 2008, uh, I think something very unusual in politics happened. Um, Chairman Leatherman reached out to me, who is staunchly conservative Republican, uh, a very liberal Democrat. And he reached out to me and said, listen, you and I are not going to, to fight with one another. There are things that we need to accomplish in this community. And you and I are going to work together to accomplish those things for the people of Florence. Um, Chairman Leatherman, in my experience, was not ideological in any way. Uh, he, he was, you know, he, by education, he was an engineer. And so his nature was to kind of look at this machine or look at the system, figure out why it wasn't working or what it needed to work better and more efficiently and to do that thing. Um, and so he was very pragmatic, very strategic um, and very much interested in getting things done, no matter whether it meant working with Democrats or Republicans or who. And that was our relationship going forward. That built into a close a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we went about the business of trying to advance the city of Florence and the and the Florence County and the PD um, in a very practical way. And that was that was very very rewarding for me personally. I don't think that exists very much at all in politics. Yeah, I mean, it didn't mm-hmm. then, and it exists even less now. But I, I tell you, just a sample of his impact. The last budget. I think it was $74, $75 million in the last budget went to the Florence area, you know, like 50 or 55 million to Francis Marion alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on top of the, the 30 plus million that the legislature spent with his direction 
for early childhood education. And that's that's his last budget when the man was 90 years old. Yet. I mean, the, the impact he's had on the PD and the whole state really can't be overstated. Yeah, especially when we look at your tenure from 2008 and then reelected in uh, 2012, you really oversaw the transformation of downtown Florence too, and he played a big role in that too. And you know, whether it's tax credits for uh, fixing up old buildings or or just helping get some more money to the area, what was it like to really to to make those changes? A lot of places are even trying to replicate what we saw in downtown Florence, like Aiken, right now. How 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 can they do that? Do they need to have a center Leatherman like we had or y'all had in Florence? Well, you know. It, there's no question that it was an enormous benefit for a very, very young mayor mm-hmm. to be able to sit in the room with someone of the stature and position in the state as Chairman Leatherman, uh, 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 Fred Carter, uh, the president of Francis Marion University, former budget control director who had those kinds of understandings of, of state government and government at large, Dr. Eddie Floyd from the Dr. Bruce and Lee Foundation, and th- for the, that group to be able to sit in a room, uh, make decisions about what needed to be done to advance the community, and then do those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, that involves spending, uh, all said, hundreds of millions of dollars, but it was done, uh, I think, very collegially, very efficiently, and all at the direction uh, and, and with the really the tutelage of Chairman Levin. Leatherman was also honored in Congress by Representative Rice and Senator Lindsey Graham this week. And back here in Columbia, lawmakers will return for a brief session in December, so look alive, folks. The House of Representatives is back December 3rd and 4th to take up their redistricting map that the House Judiciary Committee adopted this week. The Senate announced they will return December 6th to take up their maps as well. Map, it's the cartography episode. A Washington Post ABC News poll found 70% of Americans rate the economy negatively, including 38% who say it is in poor condition. How do you rate the economy right now? What? Don't answer that question. That's what I posed to Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond regional economist Laura Ulrich on This Week in South Carolina. And here's how she described it right now. Yeah, so overall, the fundamentals of the economy have have remained pretty strong through COVID. Um, in, in terms of GDP, so that's the amount of final goods and services that are made in the United States in a year, we've recovered beyond pre-COVID levels, which is pretty amazing if you think about everything that's happened in the past, I guess, 19 or 20 months now at this point. Um, there's other parts of the economy, though, that have not recovered as strongly. Um, employment is is a good example of, of one that I think people are observing. Uh, you know, they're seeing some of the labor shortages that are occurring. Um, and, and actually, we're still 4.2 million jobs below where we were in February 2020 before COVID hit. So, um, and, and in addition to that, of course, as you mentioned in the intro, there are supply chain issues that are impacting some of the goods and services that we might want to purchase, right? Um, you go to the grocery store today, there might be certain things that you can't find uh, that you're used to seeing on the shelves. If you want to buy a new car, good luck right now because there's not a lot of cars on the lots. Um, and so people are seeing this when they're out and about every day. And, and so 
um, while overall the economy is doing well, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that there are people that are better voicing frustrations. Mm -hmm. And like you said, a multitude of issues, you know, contributing to all this as well. You know, recovering from a pandemic, global supply chain issues. That's the world we live in these days too. And also, while look about, you know, uh, we saw jobs numbers be revised up from September, mm -hmm. from June to September, by 626,000 jobs. So I mean, again, a lot of ha lot happening there in the labor market, even though shortages are still being reported. Mm -hmm. But you know, 401ks are strong, wages are strong. How do you mesh all that? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, right? This is not typical, which makes sense because COVID's not typical, right? This right. is such a unique period of time in history, right? And and we're living it in real time. And so the, you know, looking at what's happened in the past can be helpful in some ways, but in others, this is so unique that what happens during a typical recession is not gonna happen during this this situation. So mm -hmm. some of the things that are going on, it's just gonna take some time to work through. Um, you know, there are certain industries where it's very obvious the ways in which they were impacted by COVID itself, right? Or decisions that were made during COVID. So for example, rental car companies sold off a lot of their fleets during COVID because people weren't renting cars. So they sold the cars to, to make revenue. And now they're trying to buy new fleets of cars and there's a car shortage. So it's very difficult for them to do that. So what happens? Price of rental cars goes up, right? That's going to work its way out. Um, because these are things that are directly related to COVID. But then there's other issues that we might not be able to trace that directly that, that might take a little longer. Laura, talk about your role as a regional economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. You're based in Charlotte, uh, so you, you really have a, a, your, your finger on the pulse here in the Carolinas. Uh, tell us what you do and who you're talking to and what's it like regionally right now. Yeah, great question. So I am the regional economist for North and South Carolina, and you're correct, I'm based out of the Charlotte branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. And what we try to do is get kind of a boots on the ground view of what's going on in the economy in real time. And um, as I mentioned a minute ago, things are so unique right now. And so it's important for us to gather as much data as we can. To, and some of that is quantitative, you know, actual data from, from publicly available um, or privately available data sources. But then other, other outreach that we're doing and just having conversations with people is extraordinarily valuable to what we do, too. So we talked to business leaders. We, you know, earlier this week, I talked to a South Carolina farmer. Uh, we talked to government, you know, government officials. We talked to people all across the spectrum to try to get a feel for what they're experiencing in the economy and what consumers are experiencing in the economy. And what's it like out there right now in the Carolinas? Yeah, great question. So so the Carolinas actually have recovered very well compared to the U.S. as a whole. So in the 5th District of the Federal Reserve, our district, um, South Carolina, our, our district is the Carolinas, Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, and D.C. And the Carolinas are the only two states that are outperforming the U.S. as a whole in terms of employment growth and mm -hmm. employment recovery. Um, so South Carolina and North Carolina have seen relatively strong um, patterns of recovery, uh, but we're also seeing some pretty significant labor shortages uh, because of the growth that's occurring um, and, and because of some of the other issues going on in the economy. So while overall, I would say the, the health of the economic health of the Carolinas is really strong, um, that doesn't mean things are things are just completely smooth out there right now. Um, and, and that's why you're seeing people report. But if you do want to start a food fight at this Thanksgiving, here's some data that you can use. Data. The Farm Bureau has been tracking Thanksgiving prices since the 1980s and said this year the dinner will cost more than ever, coming in at $53.31 for turkey and the trimmings. That's up 14% over last year. Did you hear that, Uncle Jimmy? Yeah, I know, right? 
The cost to get to your Thanksgiving meal is up from last year as well. That is, if you went to Thanksgiving last year. This time last year, gas averaged a dollar eighty-eight a gallon. Ooh, baby, that's according to AAA. Cheap. Right now, a gallon of regular is averaging three dollars and twelve cents. And we have a brief medical section for you. The Washington Post reports that the U.S. drug epidemic reached another terrible milestone on Wednesday when the government announced that more than 100,000 people had died of overdoses between April 2020 and April 2021. It is the first time that drug-related deaths have reached six figures in any 12-month period. Of the 100,306 deaths, just over 1,900 occurred in South Carolina. That's a rate of about 37 per 100,000 residents, which ranks us 16th in the nation. We're also outranking our neighbors North Carolina and Georgia, whereas West Virginia has the highest overdose rate at 90 per 100,000. The number of opioid prescriptions issued by healthcare providers has declined sharply as the crisis continues, even though 20 years ago doctors were aggressively treating pain as the, quote, fifth vital sign. The new numbers are provisional, but the financial, social, mental health, housing, and other difficulties of the COVID-19 pandemic are widely blamed for much of the increase. And on the way out, the Wall Street Journal reports that Pfizer is licensing its experimental COVID-19 antiviral to a global health organization in an effort to make the pill more readily available to people in low- and middle-income countries. Under this licensing agreement, the United Nations-backed Medicines Patent Pool will work with other drug makers to manufacture the pill for use in 95 countries, including Sub-Saharan Africa. This, according to Pfizer and the nonprofit on Tuesday. MPP expects to work with at least a dozen generic drug makers that will make supplies and thereby drive down prices for low- and middle-income countries. Pfizer said this month that its pill, called Paxlovid, was found in a late-stage study to be safe and reduce the risk of hospitalization or death in high-risk people with mild to moderate COVID-19 by about 89% if they took the pill within three days of diagnosis. Great numbers there and quite the game-changer. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Like I said at the top, we want to hear about your Thanksgiving holiday, what you're doing, who you're celebrating with, favorite dishes, least favorite dishes. I heard from my barber the other day, this is a funny story, she was talking about uh, a client of hers that said their grandmother does a broccoli gelatin mold. Ooh. I don't understand why. <laughs> do you have any jello molds at your Thanksgiving table? I'm fascinated. What do they even taste like? I, the most jelly I've ever seen at a table has got to be the cranberry sauce in yes. the can, right? Which I'm not a fan of. I, it just freaks me out. Like fresh cranberry sauce would probably be different, but the can is just. Fresh cran sauce is good. When you see the ridges, I just get a little freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like me, let me know. 803-563-7169. AT. Yes. How's the hopper? Do we are we giving thanks? Do we have someone to give thanks with? Uh, yeah, we have someone to give thanks. Thank goodness. But uh, we Please. are scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> yeah, that's the sound. That's not Gavin. Okay, <laughs> that's not Gavin. That's the that's the, <laughs> that's hopper. the hopper. Ooh, Feed boy. Me. So uh, we got we got two calls from one household okay. here. So we're gonna play them both. One one, one is one is standard issue length. One is uh, 
uh, bite size, fun size. Fun you size. know what I mean? So uh, uh, without further ado, let's get to it. This is Ben from Greenville, South Carolina, and calling in with deep remorse and shame that I let the hopper get low without calling in. So I'm calling in uh, to just let you guys know that you cannot take a Christmas or Thanksgiving break from the lead. Uh, last time you guys took a, a break, it was really terrible, uh, not only for our listening uh, pleasure, but also for the health of our state. So please keep the good information coming. Also wanted to let you know what we're doing for Thanksgiving. My parents are vegan. My dad became a vegan uh, when he got cancer. Um, since they became vegans and we started eating vegan food for Thanksgiving, I realized just how much missed opportunities a turkey represents. I mean, it's a great, great uh, poultry to feed a whole bunch of people, but there are so much more flavors. We're planning on having a stuffed acorn uh, squash with uh, this wild rice cranberry mixture that's got orange juice in it. It's terrific. Uh, lots of great flavors going on there. So uh, thank you guys so much for all your hard work. Really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving as well. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ben. Always here to help us out when the hopper's getting dry. Oh, you're but such a good ben, guy. Ben, the hopper's not on your shoulders. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, I don't internalize it too much. We, I don't want we, it to weigh him down too much. Yeah, don't don't let the the if if the hopper's empty, you're not empty. It's ben, okay. Okay, but uh, th- it doesn't mean stop calling. I love hearing from you. And yes. and your whole home, your whole house, your whole home likes mm-hmm. to call. And here's our second call. Hi, I'm Karis from Greenville, South Carolina, and we got a chick, and it's been really fun to play with and make things for, and it. She is so cute. She is black, and I love to make her things out of cardboard. Great to hear from you too, Karis. And little chick, I know that chick is safe in that house since it's a vegan home. <laughs> it is safe. I don't know if they're vegan as much as his dad's vegan. I right? know, but it still sounds like a vegan-friendly place. I hope that, that safe space. I, I hope they named chick. it Gavin. Right, <laughs> I think that's. I think it's safe to assume that it's, it's probably Gavin, right? Uh, but going back to what Ben said. <laughs> um, you know, we will have a scaled-back week next week. We're going to have a little fun episode since yeah. I'll be off next well, week up in Maryland with my family for Thanksgiving. But we're going to – you might hear from the Jackson brothers. Yeah. We're going to have, so, we're gonna have some fun stuff. We're not going to leave you high we and dry like last no, year. No, yeah. And uh, we'll have some stuff also for – we're going to work on our Christmas schedule too so we have some pods coming out yeah. during the holidays as well. Uh, a December to remember, of it's course. A, yeah, always of is. course, of course, of course, of course. I mean, needless to say. You know, there might be a vehicle shortage, AT, but we are still here supplying the imp- the important microchips, if you will, yeah. news. We have a lot of microchips. A lot of microchips, yeah. a lot of microprocessors. We found a, a, a bag in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, have you guys thought about using these? <laughs> my uh, love language is still Subaru, so um, that's canon for the pod. So, um, oh. yeah. So, Honda, happy Honda Days. Happy Honda Days, everyone. Uh, uh, ben, thank you for calling. Uh, the acorn squash sounds good. It does. Uh, but I do have to say, I want to be on. I want to be on record here in the pod saying that turkey is the worst bird to cook. It, yeah, you say this every year. Yeah, it's bad. I don't. I don't love turkey. I mean, got to put as much gravy on it as possible. Yeah, roast a chicken. You know, roast a duck. Do uh, one of those. That's it. That you can do. You know, roasted duck is a Tuesday night dinner. Chicken's a Wednesday <laughs> night dinner. <laughs> A, a turkey is a regal. What about a goose? Uh, a goose. <laughs> I've, goose never a goose. I've never had Ew. a goose. I've never had a goose. 
I'd be, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to try it. But anyway, Gavin. Yeah, there's plenty of them. I'm just gonna pick one off. To move on, to move on here, Gavin. I think that I became more southern last night, Wednesday oh. night. Yes. It, that's the sound of my monocle breaking. <laughs> <laughs> it shot across the room, smashed on the wall. So I want to know if you think this makes me more Southern or if it's just kind of a, a disgusting thing, okay? Oh. So this is something that I've done many, many times. Mm. And every time before last night was repulsed. God, okay? what is it? Yes. I <laughs> ate a pickled egg. Oh, well, that's the... And I, I, I didn't just tolerate it. <laughs> I liked it. Oh, I had okay. a second... Was it a gourmet? Was it like a, a nice pickled egg, or were we at a gas station? It here? wasn't. It was from a gas station. Oh! But it wasn't. It wasn't like it was a, a gourmet gas station. It was. A, it was Mr. Bunkies. If anyone's driven from uh-huh. Columbia yeah, yeah. to Sumter. Sumter, it's it's it is a gas station, but it's also much much more. And um, so at first they were like they were like, uh, Are you sure oh, you want AT, that egg, eat this egg. No, they were peer pressuring me to eat this egg. It works. And I was like, I'm not eating that. And then they're like, it's from Mr. Bunkies, and I was like, woo. Maybe I might could try it, Bo. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, "That's good. I like that." Uh, d- is that Southern or is that just a degenerative thing? You know. Uh, well, I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would not like to be in the same category as Southern and degenerates, but you know, I think it's a Southern <laughs> thing. <laughs> is that Southern or is that degenerate? Uh, well, <laughs> let's say I it's just, Southern. I don't want to call. I'm saying it that way because I don't want to call it Southern when it's just like. Uh, I mean, it's predominantly Southern. Like I don't remember seeing pickled eggs and big old jugs I don't, and gas stations I don't back either, in the Maryland. Yeah. Even though Maryland. And, you know, we can go and split hairs all day, but Maryland's part of the South. I never identified as Southern no. growing up. No, I would, would when I crossed the Potomac <laughs> when we go to my cousins, which we were going down Fredericksburg for uh, Thanksgiving. Down Fredericksburg way. And we'd always make fun of them for, like, you know, their accents and saying y'all. But mm-hmm. now I say y'all and everyone says y'all, and it's just super easy to say. But, um, you know, it's it, it is a more Southern thing to do. But I feel like you could be a good, you could start really branching out making your own pickled eggs. I feel like you'd have fun doing something I, like that. I've, I've made eggs where I've uh, made a jammy egg and then marinated them for a while in soy sauce, mm-hmm. which is basically the same Similar action. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But that was for ramen. But, I mean, how many pickled eggs have you had? Uh, well, I can only think of one, and it happened at Bar None down yeah, there in Five that, Toys. Yeah, that was my first. And it was in <laughs> conjunction with a shot of sake, so it was Ooh. a little bit. It was not. I think there are good pickled eggs out there, but that was not. These were um, these were not one of them. These were exceptionally were good. They, was it pink? Was it in a jar? What color was it? I'm going to tell you. It was in the dark. Um, <laughs> you were just handed a loose egg. Yeah. Where were you? It was dark. It was I, I don't want to. I've already said too much. It, uh, it was in the dark, and so I ate it. And I will say that. I, I said immediately, I was like, that's good. That's the first time I've liked this. And I've had like 15 or 16 eggs because I'm willing to try. I'm, I'm down to clown. You know what I mean? Do you think not being able to see the color of it played a role? I don't think so. I Do don't you think, think so. if you would have eaten it at the gas station, it would have been better or worse? I, I I am a sucker for an experience. Yes. You know, and so I Typical think, millennial answer right there. I think that um, eating it in the gas station would have mm-hmm. heightened the flavor. Definitely. But I, I'll, I, I do want to say this, too, that as soon as I said I like the egg, they were pushing pickled pig's feet on me. Ooh. Everyone around I would me. Not, I will say I've never done that. Uh, I do like Fatback. That is way different. I know, but we're they, talking about that, pigs. We're thems about, ain't trotters, We're bro. talking about southern things. We're talking about, about pigtail. I've had a pigtail. Yeah, I, I've had I'd husk. I've had a smoked trotter <laughs> before, mm-hmm. and it the, the it, it, it I don't know. I it's don't not know. on my list. It's, but if someone if someone offered it to me, I'd be like, 
okay, sure, I'll try this. But Every single time I'm going to try it. I'm but not going to go make it. I'm, yeah, and I'm never going to tell you it's good if it's bad. I, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like, that's interesting. Like, I, I'm going to tell you it's bad straight up. So Maybe someone could, like, mail us one or, like, mail us some pickled eggs. If right? you're an expert, <laughs> if you're an expert yeah. egg pickler or, or, or hoof pickler, like... <laughs> Let us know. Yeah. We're willing to travel to try. I do love plenty <laughs> of pickles stuff, like you know, pickled okra. I like pickles. Uh, yeah, know, I like pickled, pickled green beans. Yeah, any anything. No, I don't like I, okra. I don't like sweet bread and butter. I can agree with that. There, like the, those are pickles. bad pickles. I don't I'm, want. I don't want that sweet. I'm a dill guy, dill yes. boy, straight yes. through and through. But I love okra. This was I, I. It was it was a jalapeno pickled egg too. Just let me get that in there. Okay. So. Wow, a lot of flavors. Flavor country. It was good. I wish I had hot sauce. And to then put you on. had a second one. So someone had just loose eggs roaming around in a pocket. They gonna say <laughs> it was like Napoleon Dynamite with the uh, chicken nuggets or tater tots <laughs> in his pocket. Tater tots. It's, no, it also sounds like for our older listeners, it reminds me of the scene from Airplane when she's <laughs> pulling out the Leslie Nielsen's pulling the eggs, pulling out, of the the eggs out of her mouth. <laughs> Oh, I think some folks out there are going to get a kick out of that, right? Oh, yeah. It was, as you said, Thanksgiving Day traffic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it. Driving up to Maryland. We're taping this on on Thursday. AT has a commitment down in Charleston on Friday. I'm driving up north on uh, Friday, so it's going to be a lot. So we're out there with you, uh, braving the highways and byways, maybe going to watch planes, trains, and automobiles. That's a great yes. Thanksgiving Day favorite. It is. Uh, but Candy, keep your eye Steve out Meyer. for our episode next week. Yes. It may or may not be a, a standard day. It might come Tuesday, out on a Wednesday. On a, yeah, it might come out on a Wednesday. It might come out Tuesday. Who knows? But <laughs> Stay anyway, tuned. Gavin, take it out. Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. Show us your appreciation like Ben and Karis by leaving us a review or voicemail like they did at 803-563-7169. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead Gavin Jackson, be well, South Carolina. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Once you guys actually understand how democracy works. Go off, bud. Hey, listen up here. You're get listening em. to the lead. Get and em. welcome back. It's 3.54 in the drive time here. Oh, get him. Uh, I'm watching TV.